Uh, hello, this is Toby Haydock here, interrupting the Who's Drowned schedule. This one should have come out in a couple of months because it was recorded on the 10th of October last year, so towards the end of my quest. Uh, and I'd like to thank Tony Milton uh, for organising uh, this meeting and indeed uh, picking me up from the station and taking me there and back to meet Dorothy Rose Gribble, who played Woman Slave in episodes two and three of The Romans, and I had a very entertaining afternoon, and sadly I've just received the news that uh, Dorothy Rose, or DR as she was known, uh, passed away last month, so I've brought this talk forward in the schedule so that we can pay tribute to her. Um, you will hear Tony uh, on the track because he uh, helped out uh, by throwing in a few questions and aid memoirs for DR, but uh, it's a lovely chat and we had a lovely time and uh, I hope this is a nice memorial for a very nice lady who passed away last month at the incredible age of 97. It's a sunny day in Newbury. I'm being made to feel very welcome uh, in, in, a, in a lovely place uh, and I'm meeting a lady who's kindly agreed to talk to me so I'm going to ask her who she is and why I'm talking to her about Doctor Who. Well, I can't remember very much about Doctor Who. How all this came about was I have a cousin and who was with the the arts about in, in uh, at the BBC. She, I think her record is pretty high. She worked with um, the Morabita people, uh, all people like that. And um, she introduced me. She got me little small bits and pieces. She knew them all. She knew Ken Russell. And uh, she did, she got me quite a lot of small, bit of small bits. I, rem yes, I, I remember, and I went so far in the past, as to get um, an ulcer in my nose. So I looked really awfully ill. <laughs> Very natural. Hmm. You were saying before um, when Tony went to get your tea that you remembered you were a you were a, a, a woman slave. That's right. Yes, in a in a dingy in a dingy prison, which I'm going to try and find for you now. Mm. I, I had a, something to say. I really forget what. But um, you were licensed to talk, were you? But that's uh, the one I was in. I wondered if it was, it was a second edition. Here we are, here you are, let's, I've just found you. It's, uh, it was Derek Sidney, isn't it? Yes, he is, there were two Sidneys. So here we are. And I there you are. Would I, would I roughen my voice a bit? They asked you to roughen your voice a bit? Roughen it, yes. I don't know why Christian slaves fed to the lands would necessarily be refined. That's you. Yes, looking ragged, but I don't know why she'd have to 
roughened my voice. But that's what I sort of wanted. I thought it was rather nice if there was an ordinary voice. Yes, and I had, I had a carbuncle or something in my nose. Oh, really? They put a carbuncle in your nose? What, yes. As, as, as I makeup? Thought, I thought, no. Oh, you just had, had one? You had a genuine one? Yes, it was genuine. Oh. <laughs> I thought that was entering the park rather well. <laughs> yes. So, so you're... Your, your body came up with a, a, a bit of an augmentation for the role. It did, yes. Brilliant. Um, well, that was the sort of, that was just to sort of get your your memory uh, primed. So what I'll do is, if I if I started... And there were two, two Sydneys. Two Sydneys. Mm. There was Derek Sydney. There was Derek Sydney and another Sydney. He was a good actor, Derek Sydney. Mm. Yes. And there was a Derek Francis as well. Oh, Derek, young, yes, probably yeah, yes. Lovely actor. And, and had, had acting always been what you'd wanted to do? The theatre. The theatre. The theatre, yes. I'd, um... Yes, where did it come about? <coughs> it, it, when we were children, we used to go on holiday with my mother and her just younger sister, um, she remarried. My, my father was killed in the war. She then remarried Ken Layden Bennett, my stepfather. And he was the most generous man, I think. And he used to take Eileen, his younger sister, her family, and, and all of us lot on holidays. That's how we came to be it. But I barely started, I suppose on the holidays because uh, I dragooned them into giving performances to the unfortunate people who came to stay with us and staff and so on. And I dragooned these six, six of us, or of them, into giving shows. Well, I liked doing that very much. And uh, it carried on. So then came the war, which stopped everything, but it was all backstage. I, I was connected with, after the war, I was, uh, I was in, um, not in, so the other one, Fanny's, not Fanny's. We called it Fanny Atts. And I, I was with it there. And in that, I got to do with well, various aspects of performances because of my background that I'd been with shows for for, for dots a lot. And Ken, my stepfather, he'd got me introductions. They were at Oxford, I was at the Oxford Playhouse as um, a dog's body, assistant stage manager. <laughs> and uh, I found it so interesting. The backstage work, I'm not a good actress. I can do Shakespeare better than anything else. But I'm not, not um, you have to do it, but I'm not a good, not good as an actress. Ken introduced me, got me and introduced me to tenants. He had a friend who worked in tenants, was with tenants. Her name will come back to me. 
but uh, she really introduced his friend. She, she introduced me to the tenants firm and that's what I was working with and I found it so interesting the backstage work all the time well when eventually we left Barnet where we were living because my mother with her healing hands had been talking of coming to the country and having somewhere where people could stay for a bit and be healed, which was what she could do. I've lived with miracles. And uh, here again, I was with uh, the Oxford Playhouse backstage. So um, following that, what did I do following it? It's a long time ago. So yes, but, but it's because you, you talked about you were putting on shows when at an early age, but Tony was just telling me you're still doing it. So oh, with, yes, with the... Yes. Well, uh, we did, you see, but when my mother came out to Barnet, from Barnet to here, she, she had a house quite near here, and uh, f friends of mine, because I, I give, I'm not a good actress, but what I can, I am a good storyteller, and I can give recitals. I had been doing this at the Edinburgh Festival. I was fest, not, um, they were festival audiences, but I was fringe. And uh, people I met up there came to know my mother, and they gave their performances here in, in well, in, the, in my house, which I subsequently built, at her house at West Ridge, fr friends that I met up in Edinburgh knew of her work and wanted to help. And they did. They came and, and gave shows at, at her West Ridge. From that, I, I came to know quite a lot of them, and a bit more about presentation, learning all the time. As, um, yeah, yes, I don't know what you'd call me. I was a sort of arts director, I suppose, then. Yes, because you've had a lot to do with poetry, haven't you? And poetry. Well, I, I, can, talk, I, can, I can talk poetry. I've done that quite for a long time. And uh, subsequently, through having been to Edinburgh, I um, had teamed up with a Scott, he, he was uh, Michael Kennedy, swanky fellow. Well, there was another, it was a Michael Kennedy, and so he—you can't have two Michael Kennedys in equity. <laughs> so he he gave the Scottish pronunciation, which was Michael. <laughs> and uh, very nice. He liked it. It was rather good. I was by that time working at the Lindsay Theatre and met people through that and from that began to, I teamed up with Michael and one or two others uh, to give shows which were, um, Michael provided short stories 
Oscar Wilde and things like that. Poe, Edgar Allan of that ilk. And with us was a, another chap who used to do, I, his name, I've been trying to remember it, such a well-known Jewish comedian. And he, he came. So that when we, we went on tour together, all of us, the three of us, uh, Ivor, Ivor Kimmel, Mikhail and me, giving these shows to um, very small audiences. But they were toured. They were, it was intended to be special in a way. And we, because we met in the Lindsay, in the Lindsay we, we hired the gate, that awful little place, the gateway. <laughs> I liked it actually, but she was very naughty about money. <laughs> I found the best thing to do was say, well, if you, if, if you can't, can't manage it just at the moment, we'll uh, put, it, put it on uh, somewhere else, take the business away. So, so you, that you can do, and then you get your money, which you could do. So it's in your blood then, isn't it? It strikes me that you, you could never have done a, a, a sort of normal nine-to-five job. You were always well, being I creative. Want to. I never wanted to do that. But Ken gave me these introductions, and Cousin Anne got me these jobs with, with the art programmes. And so, really, it was it just developed like the way. Doesn't sound very interesting, does it? No, it does. It sounds great. I mean, a life, a life of creativity and being on the road. And you've written as well. Uh, you've, you've got, you've, um, I've, I've noticed you've, um, and you've your name as well. The name Gribble. You've, you've researched your family, haven't you? Oh yes. So tell me about the name Gribble. The name Gribble means crabapple, in Barnstable way. There are lots of us that are in Devon. I don't know them all by any means. There is a relation who got, me, got in touch with me here. Uh, well, not in this, not at Donington, but at the Open Centre. And she was researching. Her husband is David Gribble, and she was interested in his, his researches and so on. At home, but I can't get them now. I, I could lay hands, and it's quite interesting. Could I could I ask you, uh, dear, about the tapes, uh, the recordings? You can. Um, I'm sure Toby would be interested to learn about the library of, of uh, well, recordings. It, it all came. Michael and I went into a sort of partnership. And not not um, not in this present sort of term. And uh, one of the things we developed into was touring uh, small towns and theatreless places. We did yes, we did that, and some of some of the material we wrote ourselves. Some was. Um, well, in his case, Oscar Wilde and Poe and so on. And, uh, but I'd, I loved verse speaking. My mother was um, very good, very good at that sort of thing. Teacher, you didn't know that, did you? No, I didn't. That's the first time you've mentioned it. 
but, but <coughs> she taught but she taught us my father had been the schoolmaster and he took great interest in my education we, we did meet I think I was three months old at the time <laughs> and then, then he was no longer with us but uh, on what he was working out would be good education for me she founded herself teaching all three of us which was Ken's children and uh, and me and in a way you sort of went into management I think really Michael and I certainly were management enthusiastically called Plantagenet Productions Ah, and I noticed some of your books are Plantagenet books. So you, you published yourself as well, didn't did you? The the books that well, you wrote. Various things came into my power. The <laughs> Gribbles of papers came into my power, and the Milton papers came into his father and me. And we did we published these family annals and traditions, and these other things which we'd written for ourselves. We went on one tour with a thing that I'd mugged up called Will's Folly. And. Uh, Is that the, the imagined scene from Shakespeare? The, the snippet it, it from was, Shakespeare? It was that sort of thing. I write, I can do Shakespeare, and I can understand Shakespeare very well. But that's all, is that all sort of self-taught? Was that just because you had a, a passion and you immersed yourself in it? Is, is that because he spoke to you more than, than other people you think Shakespeare? What is it about him? Well, I love Shakespeare. And I, I, I do, I can, the only thing I can act really, and I'm pretty sure that if there is reincarnation, I think I probably was a sort of dog's body in, his, in the company. <laughs> I think of the things I've loved best of his. When I was at school, where I was introduced to him, it, it was my primary school, and that being sent to Wickham Abbey, and you had to have an entrance form, which was my favourite play, Macbeth, if I. So the, um, teacher, the teacher, Miss Bolt, at Lansdowne School, said you should have said, um, Tempest. That's what we're sort of studying. Well, I think that Miranda's a bit of a nit. And I, she isn't my favourite character. Lady Macbeth was. I picked her up myself somehow. So I thought it was quite right. I've actually played the part too once. In, in one of our productions, it was some. Um, Yes, it is, I think, my, my favourite of his plays. Those written, everything is lovely. And uh, you might be amused to know how I came to play Lady Macbeth. Tell me. I will. <laughs> because one of the things we, we did was um, a tour to schools. And as they were studying Lady Mac, uh, Macbeth, 
we did that. Mikhail gave even an unusual version of Macbeth himself. And, and using his Scottish antecedents. Oh, yes. And he said, it's the only time it is used as Scottish. We had a, a nice, she was quite a nice girl and actually a good actress. And she was playing Mac, Lady Mac. <laughs> she, and she, um, we, we, for some reason, she, but she turned up at this show, not in the costume he designed for her, but looking like a fairy queen on a cake, and quite different from the way she'd been. Well, actually, the, the, it was one of the things that packed up our tour, that we couldn't go again. Well, I let her know that she would uh, be done not playing Lady Macbeth. She was not wanted on this performance. And she said, who, oh. She thought she was all the cat's whiskers. <laughs> and uh, she was good, but not, not as good as all that. And quite out of context with the production. So um, she said, who was doing it? I said, another actress. I thought, well, I've studied the thing at school. <laughs> I, I could do the part because I have exams and so on. And so I did it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was another actress. Yeah. I think that's fair. Well, I tell you, it was Shakespeare. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> you fired her and took her job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, that's show business. I think that's yeah. fair enough. I'm yeah, just going to check. I, for... I, think, I think I was in that company <laughs> in good Queen Bess's time. I think it's the only thing that accounts for it, is it? I only played it this one's time in public. But um, I, 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 then one of the things we went on to do was um, it was getting rather difficult to tour when with moving out to Highclere. But uh, we we arranged them. I, I, we got the jobs. But we took out one of these was Ivor Kimmel, the, the Jew. Mm -hmm. Mikhail the Scot, yeah, and myself the English woman. So with that, like that comedy, yeah. And well, there's plenty of jokes can come from that. There's plenty of jokes <laughs> can come from that, and uh, yes, we enjoyed it. Well, it became rather difficult to tour, and so we thought it'd be rather fun, as we um, really couldn't do anything active. We would. Uh, on the Bard's birthday with Plantagenet and um, so we did but we thought we'd honour it with recordings they did really rather well but I used to give the recitals at the Edinburgh Festival fringe or the fringe but it was it was festival audiences really and uh, and how was the Edinburgh Festival in those? I mean, I've done it a few times recently, but I bet it was very different. Oh, absolutely different. Absolutely different. It's very funny, I believe, now. Well, 
we try and make it so. But it was it's because it yes, people seem to think of it now as a comedy festival. But of course, when it started, it it, it wasn't anything like that, was it? Oh no, it wasn't. No, it was uh, really very nice. <laughs> and a lot of people preferred the preferred it to the proper festival. Mm. And who was it that they like? The names sort of go, but some of them had done the first first performances of things, which was I mean, it, it, it was really nice. And what was it like as a performer being there? I mean, did you enjoy? Do you enjoy oh, sort of living out of a suitcase and things? I was backstage. Oh, you were backstage. You didn't. You didn't. You didn't tread the boards at the fringe. Well, only in the way of poetry speaking. That I've done, and that was a rather funny one too. Was um, one place we went to. It shattered. First of all, Ivor. Who was doing one of that? He's a very famous chap who, who um, he provided, began with a with comedy, really, and uh, Jewish stories. And it went down flat. And then Hill went on to do the next thing. And whatever he did, he went down flat. And they were very angry. Oh. And so I thought, some um, blow that for a lark. So uh, this was due to school. I uh, thought I'd do the thing about Hippolytus and the death of Hippolytus, rather awful, but from the Greek, the English translation of the Greek. And so I went on and gave it a ham. He loved it. Ah. A Welsh audience. <laughs> if in doubt, give it ham. Yes, <laughs> that's right. So and so, you hadn't been planning to do that, but you knew that no, because right. it was going badly, you had to go on and do no, something. I was, I was going to do something anyhow, but I did, did sort of poetry and whatnot. But I had not ever done that, and they lapped it up. But you're still. But um, Tony was telling me about the the ukulele. And you're still, you still, you seem to me somebody who doesn't like to be idle. You're always wanting to be. Bear it. Yeah. So tell me about the ukulele people. Well, uh, that came from the um, things had to be cancelled because uh, I couldn't um, get down there to do, to do anything about it. I was, I'm just not very mobile at the moment. But but so it... I thought, uh, ah, they have entertainments here, mm -hmm. as you know. And uh, I thought, why not try and get one or two people who'd been cancelled to come here? Because there they were. And one of the, two of them are ukulele players. Well, one has come here, and I think he—I think it wasn't quite what he expected. I think it was, he was palm court <laughs> on, on a Spanish guitar. And, uh, I think he thought it wasn't going to be any good for what he would do on a ukulele. So he's not coming, but the one who is coming on the 6th, he was coming and he rang straight up and said, I suggested his coming here. And they were Charlie, not the prince, <laughs> the entertainment officer here. She, she said, good. And she said, well, I think, I think, I know the performers, 
and I think I could discuss with her which of them would be suitable for this audience. So you're now the entertainment's officer here, no, I think. <laughs> but I can help her. <laughs> and Brilliant. I can certainly help her, which I'd love to do. It's a bit good for the police, you see. Mm. Well, so you've good got, for you've got an enormous list of uh, takers, haven't you, from uh, from the days at Westridge? Yeah. It, it, well, I'm many years has that been I'm going rather on? pleased, though, if I can act as a kind of agent, in a way. Yeah. Facilitator. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Although agents take a percentage, so perhaps oh. you should be an agent. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So it's in your, I mean, it's in your bones. Tony was telling me as well that you, you used to take actors in um, uh, to your, to your, you know, you used to put them up in your, in your home. Yes, we had to stop that now. I got a lovely couple of retainers, mm -hmm. housekeepers, but they're friends. And getting a bit more than they can do. One of them, well, I didn't realise it. But, she, but the other to tell me, you know, Doreen, if she's making a bed, has to go on her bended knees. This lady is 85. Right. And so we stopped there. Yes. <laughs> and you can't have people. Her assistant is 79. Right, OK. <laughs> and you have a driver as well in Harry. Yeah. And he's in his late, uh, well, is he mid-80s, is he? With, with uh, Harry? Harry, Harry's magnificent. Oh, no doubt about it. I think the, the, the contribution Harry has given all these years since since Dot died. I know. 45 years they've been with mm. Really? It's 45 years these three people have been with me. They're friends. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, of course they are. Yeah. And when you when you did television in the 60s, I mean, television is very different to live performance. Did you Did you enjoy television particularly? Not particularly. Why was that, do you think? But there's no audience. Mm. There's a huge audience, but not live. You know, if you're giving a performance, there are no two audiences call the same thing out of you. I can't tell you how often I've done words of immortality ode. And it's never the same because the audiences are different. So they pull a different they energy out of you. Yeah. It's very personal. And do you have a favourite poem to, to perform? I always say Shakespeare, Chaucer and W.S. Gilbert are my favourite author. I love them. And I've come today to talk to you about an, an, a number of things, but including Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. Can you... Um, when you cast your mind back to Doctor Who, and, and you've, I'm sure you've had letters from fans over the years and things like that, can you understand why people are so interested in Doctor Who? Well, it's a good yarn. I think it must be that it's a rattling good story. And how was it seeing yourself from nearly 50 years ago in that, that clip that I just showed you? Oh, it's, it's brought up memories of one of the directors, I can't remember which it was, who would go up and down while we were rehearsing. And he was running up and down and pulling terrible faces. Oh, I think I've seen a letter that you wrote a friend by. I think it was Derek Sidney. I think it probably was. So he, he ran up and down. Was this in the rehearsal room? Well, it was, uh, it was church hall. Mm-hmm. 
because of course in those days yes with television you'd rehearse for the whole week before going in front of the cameras wouldn't you well we were there quite a long time mm. but, uh, but I just remember that Derek he was long and dark haired the other Derek was tubbier yes so Derek Francis was the tubby one and Derek Sidney was the, the tall dark haired one I think so yes yes a pair of Dereks yes a benefit for any production. Well, look, I'm going to let us sort of relax and speak slightly less formally because I've got plenty, which has been fantastic. Um, but I do ask you, because the listeners to this who will be listening to this interview, um, I ask them to donate to a charity of your choice. So do you have a charity that you would like the listeners to donate to? I think the Actors Benevolent Fund. That's a good choice, but it's feathering my nest, that. <laughs> no, I think it would be the, the best one, wouldn't it? And my, my final question, thank you so much for your time and for your memories, and I hope it's been all right talking to a stranger. Uh, it's been fantastic. Um, uh, Doctor Who is 50 years old this year, and a great many people listen, watch Doctor Who and enjoy it and have watched your performance in Doctor Who. So, uh, oh, I should get a royalty. Uh, well, uh, you should do. You should, be, you should be doing okay with the DVDs. I that's surprising. Oh. It's not bad for a couple of weeks' work 50 years ago, still to pay you. Yeah, I expect so. Yeah. Um, so what's what's your message to the Doctor Who fans out there who, who are still watching Doctor Who 50 years later? God bless you. <laughs> Dorothy Rose Gribble and Tony indeed, thank you very much for your time. And Gribble means Crabapple in Devon. <laughs> so perhaps I should say Dorothy Rose Crabapple, thank you for your time. <laughs> that sounds quite so good, does it? <laughs> That's brilliant. It's a good name, Gribble. Gribble, it trips off the tongue. I think it actually, at one time, meant a helmet. Yeah. Again, I can't thank uh, Tony Milton enough for getting back in touch with me after I'd written my letter and uh, organising that. DR's charity was the Actors Benevolent Fund. It's very easy to find. It's www.actorsbenevolentfund, all one word, all small case, uh, actorsbenevolentfund.co.uk. Um, and uh, Who's Round will be back on schedule. Uh, they're coming out thick and fast now, uh, so keep listening. Uh, thanks very much. And uh, Dorothy Rose Gribble, uh, we salute you and rest in peace. Pathfinder Legends, Rise of the Rune Lords, Chapter 5, Sins of the Saviors. Joth, what is it? Amiko, you were roused by the tremor. Along with half the town. I, I don't know how deep this sinkhole goes, but it fills me with dread. You want to go down there, don't you? The town appears to be inextricably linked to recent events in ways I cannot yet fathom. The stone giants? Mokmirian was searching for something here. The scribbler? Oh, my sucklings. <laughs> they are clever ones. Not like the other.
us. Tell them? <laughs> or kill them? On Frozen Mountain, Zinn awaits his regal voice, the yawning gate. Eyes turn twice in Cyhadron. A culted runeforge waits within. I don't like the look of this. It's shining on one of the statues. Don't tell me. Kazook. You. Again. I can't help but be inspired by your optimism. But alas, your weapons will never reach Zin Shalas. Your fate is death here in Runeforge. Pathfinder Legends Audio Adventures. Available from BigFinish.com and Paizo.com.